We're considering together uh, some of the, uh, the unfolding of the story that's told in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts proceeds a little bit um, like a stone being dropped in uh, the middle of a pond. There's concentric rings that begin to spread across the surface of the pond. And today, our reading in Acts chapter 8 is kind of like one of those those concentric rings, the, the rippling out from the middle of Jerusalem, the story tells about how, how God's story spreads out and what God is doing. At first, uh, God's story after Jesus' resurrection and ascension centered on the city of Jerusalem. That's where God first, if you will, dropped the Spirit. On Pentecost, the Spirit moved into the lives of thousands of new believers And then you know perhaps how some of that story unfolded. There was this idyllic community of disciples that was formed around teaching and prayer, fellowship, and the breaking of bread. But that sort of dream community didn't last. Hostility arose. Some religious leaders opposed apostles like Peter and John. But still, the apostles declared that they could not help but speak of Jesus. When some believers noted that the Greek widows were getting the short end of things and had some significant needs, the early church went to work and they selected deacons in order to help with these needs. One of those deacons, Stephen, preaches Christ and he's seized by the religious leaders and he's sentenced to death, triggering an outbreak of persecution against the followers of Jesus. But it doesn't stop the movement of God's gospel. God turns this persecution into an occasion for the spread of his work. The Spirit moves these early Christians from Jerusalem and spreading the gospel out to the broader world. That's the story we begin to encounter in Acts chapter 8. So Acts chapter 8, it's found on page 1704, Acts chapter 8. We'll read verses 1 through 8 and then verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8. Let's pray together as we prepare to hear God's word. God, may the power of your word be real to us this morning, as real as it was to Philip, to the Ethiopian eunuch, and to many others who heard of Jesus Christ and whose lives were changed. May that power of that story grip us today for our lives lived in your world. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts chapter 8. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And then verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, 
Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from him. From the earth. Eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and and, and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I'm not much for physics, but my professor of missions in seminary used a physics principle to try to get us to understand some of the movement of God's mission. He explains to us uh, that the force that was operative in the Old Testament was a centripetal force. Everything was directed toward the center. God's mission was aimed at pulling everyone to connect them to Jerusalem. But the New Testament, he told us, displays a different force, centrifugal force. Everything's being thrown out to the edges of the world. God's mission was moving out from the center in Jerusalem out to the rest of the world. Well, today's story in Acts 8 shows us this new force at work. An Ethiopian eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but now he was on his way home. And on his way... He met Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch met Jesus making his way to the edge of the world. See, the gospel is meant for the wider world. The good news doesn't stop at the borders of Israel. God's message spreads. The story we read in Acts 8 carries the gospel's witness beyond Israel. It happens as Jesus said it would. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But here's the catch. God accomplishes this outward movement by the means of persecution. Acts 8.1 says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. 
The persecution that broke out because of Stephen's testimony to Christ became the impetus for the gospel reaching to the corners of the world. The the refugees from Jerusalem scattered like seeds. The gospel of Jesus taking root in other places because of them. The power of God's story helps us to see that God can use even persecution of his people to accomplish his purposes in the world. One of the persons that was scattered out into the world was Philip. Philip was one of the seven deacons who was appointed in Acts 6. And like Stephen, Philip was becoming more of an apologist or an evangelist than one who administered help for widows. When persecution hit the church, Philip left Jerusalem. But he didn't go into hiding. No, he went exactly where Jesus went. Philip went to Samaria, the hilly region of Judea and south of Galilee. Remember when John Agege told us last week about the Samaritans? Jews were suspicious of Samaritans. They treated them with hostility. Sometimes things got violent. The Samaritans were the people who had stayed in the land when the Jews were carted off to Babylon. Like the Jews, Samaritans worshipped Israel's God. They followed the laws of Moses. They looked forward to the arrival of the Messiah. But because of their pedigree, being children of those who invaded the land, many Jews considered them to be racially impure, religiously inferior. But Samaria is where God sends Philip. And through him, God works a miracle. The nationalism that drove a wedge between Jew and Samaritan was overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus, Philip breaks the taboos. He brings God's good news to the Samaritans. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And the Samaritans respond in faith. When they believe Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. The power of the Spirit moved beyond all of their prejudices. In fact, the power of the Spirit even moved Philip out to the edges. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Gaza's on the edge of a desert. It's like the final outpost of civilization. People coming into Gaza see signs that say, last chance for gas for the next 150 miles. And on this edge of civilization, Philip happens upon an Ethiopian. This man likely served in an area we know of today as the Sudan. The man is likely black, Ethiopians tended to be, and he was an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen, which increases the odds that he was black. And he was a eunuch. Most of those who served in the court of the queen in Ethiopia would have been castrated, maybe dismembered. So here's the problem. We're told this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but because he was a eunuch, He could never be fulfilled in Judaism. The closest that he would ever get to the temple would be in the court of the Gentiles, which is an outer court, not even close to the temple and the place where the Jews would worship. The man that Philip meets 
is a God-fearing Gentile from Ethiopia, an important official in the court of the queen, but he would be forever unable to enter the Jewish system. He's as outside the orbit of Jerusalem as anyone could possibly get. An outsider. But the message that we find here is that the good news of Jesus Christ is meant for everyone. The gospel extends an invitation to come on in. Hop on board. We may not be physically mutilated or hold courtly positions but we can feel on the outs. There may be something about us, our job, our status, our ethnicity, our physical or emotional condition. We can feel like we're on the outs. Some of us feel on the margins because we're not married. Others of us, it's because we're married, but we don't have children. There's all kinds of reasons why we can feel on the outs. Why can feel like we might be shunned. At times in our community, people can feel pushed aside because we hint at, if you're not Dutch, you're not much, or you're not part of the Ripon Christian community. But the gospel brings God's good news, good news that stretches out farther than many of us might expect. God is eager to connect with anyone. God doesn't consider ethnic background or religious pedigree. The Spirit sends Philip to show us God's heart. That God is open to those beyond the boundaries. As a Greek, Philip maybe knew what it was like to be different. And maybe that's why Philip didn't resist the Spirit when he was sent to the Ethiopian. Philip went where the Spirit directed him. And the story in Acts shows us that this good news of Jesus has a universal emphasis. It reaches out to those who even sit on the margins. And out on the margins, the Ethiopian eunuch meets a marginalized Savior. The central message of Jesus comes to this outsider in words that describe Jesus' own outsider nature. Philip runs up to the chariot and happens to hear the Ethiopian reading aloud the words of Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice Who can speak for his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now many of us might say that this encounter between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch just happened. But if so, it happens because of the Spirit. By the Spirit, Philip just happened to come along. I mean, Gaza's a long way away from Jerusalem, let alone Samaria, where he had gone. Ethiopia's a long way off from Gaza. But in the middle of this desert, God's ambassador, Philip, crosses paths with this hungry-for-insight Ethiopian. By the Spirit, it just happens that Philip overheard the man in the chariot reading aloud. It's not unusual for people to read aloud. It's by the Spirit that Philip is there to hear what the man is reading. And by the Spirit, it just happened that the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah 53. 
A passage about the servant Messiah. I mean, it's not likely the Ethiopian would have associated this reading about a sheep led to the slaughter, a lamb being silent, as having anything to do with what happened to Jesus in Jerusalem. By the Spirit, it just happened that Philip asked the man if he understood. And it just happened that the Ethiopian was looking for guidance. I mean, typically we say that men don't ask for directions when they're lost, but this man welcomes help. The Ethiopian wondered who the prophet was talking about. And so Philip explained. Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Do you hear the echoes in this story of what Jesus did on the road to Emmaus with two disciples after his resurrection? The story didn't just happen. Luke wants us to see that this is the Spirit of God at work. In Luke 24, we're told that the two disciples were confused about Jesus' suffering and dying and reports of His resurrection, that they couldn't understand. Jesus said that they were slow of heart to believe the prophets. and He announced that the Christ, the Messiah, had to suffer these things and enter His glory. And then Jesus, beginning with the Moses and the prophets, explained to them all of the Scriptures and what they had to say about Himself. Now, in a similar manner, Philip introduces this Ethiopian, beginning with Isaiah and telling him the story of Jesus. God's great story stretches from creation to Abraham through Moses and David and the prophets and all the way to the present. And all along, the greatest wondering was, what will the climax of this story of God with His people be? What will the climax be? I mean, think about it. When Isaiah wrote, he looked at a people who were stuck in exile. And he recalled the promises of God. And he began to get a picture of what God was up to. Isaiah knew that Israel had failed miserably at being a light to the nations. Isaiah also knew that God would remain true to his purposes. And as Isaiah considered Israel's story and her dilemma, a picture of God's servant began to come to mind. And what God's servant would do for Israel And what she would become, not through her own accomplishment, but because of what God's servant would do. And how God's servant would complete Israel's calling. N.T. Wright tells us to think of it this way. He says, think of Isaiah 53 as kind of a job description. These words that the Ethiopian was reading give a picture of the kind of servant who will accomplish what God wants. God's servant would rescue Israel from her self-destructive ways and he would bring Israel's dark age of exile to an end. God's servant would bring a new dawn for God's people. God's servant would bless the world through a new covenant bringing about a new creation. And in this new creation, says Isaiah, outsiders and foreigners and, yes, even eunuchs would find a blessing. Just listen to this extended reading from Isaiah 56. Let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. 
to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, He who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. I mean, maybe you catch a glimpse of the excitement that the Ethiopian eunuch experienced as Philip explained Isaiah to him. The prophet's job description pointed to Jesus. He's the ideal candidate. Jesus is the climax of God's great story. Isaiah prophesied that God's story will open up to include the whole world. I will bring still others to them besides those already gathered. With Jesus, redemption reaches to Israel and beyond, reaches out to the whole world. Even this excluded Ethiopian finds an amazing welcome. Immediately, the Ethiopian eunuch asks about baptism because he wants to place his story in God's story. And then after baptism, he leaves Philip and he goes away rejoicing at the top of his lungs. We can be sure he's the first non-Jew to come to faith, to return to Africa and to spread his faith to others. He returned home to become an evangelist in his own country because he had heard and received good news. He knew the story of Jesus, the one who opened the door for anyone. The one who opened the door so that everyone could be included. A number of years ago, a young man came to the church where I pastored. His name was Bill. He came because the the sign um, outside our church included the word Christian in our name, so he figured we'd be okay. Bill had uh, struggled with acceptance his whole life. His parents had divorced lived most of the time with his mom, and then recently had started living with his dad. He had hoped that living with his dad, he might get to know his dad a little bit more. Uh, His dad had remarried, had another child from the second marriage, and unfortunately, Bill never really felt accepted in his dad's house. His dad's second wife had never really accepted him. On top of it all, Bill weighed about 350 to 400 pounds. When he rode in my little car, it tilted significantly toward the passenger side. With his overweight condition, Bill suffered some health problems, and then he obviously suffered some significant social ostracism. But then Bill met Jesus, and he felt an acceptance that he had never experienced before. He was in awe of a God who had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Bill came to believe in God's servant, Jesus, who was pierced for our transgressions, was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we're healed. Friends, there are all kinds of bills in our world. We know them. They're our neighbors. 
They work next to us. Some even live in our families. We know the people who feel excluded. We know the people who are on the margins of life. But here's the good news. Luke tells us a story in Acts 8 about God's plan for the world. Luke makes it very clear that it's Jesus who meets us on the margins of life. That those on the margins, like this Ethiopian eunuch, those on the margins meet a Savior who went to the margins. And he writes notes, wherever you go, whatever culture you come to, whatever situation of human need, sin, exclusion, or oppression you may find, the message of Jesus is the one in whom all the promises of God find their yes, is there to meet that need. Jesus is there to meet your need. The one promise of God that stands supreme among all the promises is this. God welcomes everyone through his servant Jesus. Jesus took the power of sin and evil upon himself. And in taking this burden, he destroyed evil once and for all. That evil power and, and its punishment is broken by a Savior who went to the edge for us. So whether you're on a, a lonely desert road or in a church in Ripon, California, or on your knees in the privacy of your own room, God's promise is for you. The promise of Jesus welcomes you no matter how far out on the edge you feel. Hop on board. Come inside. For anyone who feels far away from God finds a place in Jesus. And he will send you on your way rejoicing. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the welcome that we find in you. That you receive us into your presence. You receive us. You welcome us despite our inabilities, despite our sin, despite our failures, despite anything that sends us oftentimes to the margins of life. That we may not feel a welcome elsewhere, but find a welcome in you. We thank you for your love and grace that receives us. And we pray that we would be a people of your love and grace to others. As we've been blessed, help us to be a blessing. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.